Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Wisden Cricket World Cup Daily Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Scene, who we've partnered with to deliver all of our daily podcasts and videos for the rest of the 2023 World Cup. Starting soon on wisden.com, Scene will be powering our new interactive videos, allowing you to easily skip to certain segments and find relevant articles, offers and opportunities by simply clicking directly within the video. Australia are in the World Cup final for the eighth time, but South Africa gave them one hell of a fright, so nearly defending 212. I'm Yazran, and with me today is Phil Walker and Mark Butcher. Rob Smith, in his piece in The Guardian on the 99 semi-final the other day, wrote, the ghosts of South Africa's World Cup past could fill a five-story townhouse. The two most chilling Australia and semi-finals await them in Calcutta on Thursday. Phil, they didn't quite exercise those ghosts, but that was an incredible game. The spinners and the gutsy, Gerald Coetzee, so nearly getting them over the line. Yeah, it was a thriller, a low-burning, low slow-emerging and evolving thriller, the kind of thriller that makes you really value the 50-over game, right? You know, for all the, the clatter and chaos of yesterday's fun of the fair today was a proper grind of a cricket match and and the kind of cricket match that you can really get your teeth into because as somebody said I think it might have been Howie on the commentary every ball was an event for the last two and a half hours um South Africa did everything they possibly could nothing went their way today um they won the toss which looked like a good toss to win until it didn't quite Australia got the ball in their hand and then it went round corners uh, but the way that they they hung in there, there was no choke at all. There was no suggestion of of a dip in class or a gulf between the two sides. It was just one of those games, really. Um, Australia, look, they deserve credit as well, right? You know, Josh Josh English English English. <laughs> Who is English? for me to say? Who is English? <laughs> uh, he deserves. You know, probably might have even crept in there as as the player of the match for that sort of nerveless. 35-odd or whatever he made, you know, right in the guts of that run chase. It was a real cracker, a real classic game of cricket. And again, another indication that the obituaries as written for 50-over cricket are are much premature. Mm. I think at a basic level, cricket is more fun when you have passages of play where bowl, ball dominates. But I'm not saying it should be like that all the time, but I think that those have been few and far between this tournament. And as Phil said, there were so many moments that could have just gone Safra's way. Even the Quinton de Kopp drop yeah. with nine needed, so many chances just falling short. Um, it just felt very different to 99 or 2015 where Safra were expected almost to make the final two. Here, you know, you had two 23-year-olds at the end bowling for them. They did so well all tournament to get to the semi-finals and also to put themselves in such a good position to make the final two. Yeah, I mean, sort of everything kind of went the way that you that the South Africa would have wanted, i.e. they had the chance to bat first, put runs on the board. They weren't chasing. Um, 
and and therefore you, you felt as though they had they had the chance of hanging in there despite the fact that they were four down for twenty four. I mean that was where the you know where the game was probably lost for them. Their um their much vaunted and and incredibly good top order blown away in that sort of gloomy um, opening period where Stark and Hazelwood were just magnificent with a new ball. And from there on in, they were battling. Miller played an absolute blinder of an innings. You know, he's become such a such a reliable um, and dangerous player for South Africa over the last three or four years. Um, so gutted for him, you know, that his efforts didn't didn't get them over the line. Um, and it was a yeah, it was a great game. I mean, look, the, the ball has dominated the bat quite a lot in in this World Cup, but mainly in the second half after mm. the teams made three hundred and fifty yeah. in the first. So it, you know, the, the the facts of the matter were that Temba Bavuma had a really difficult decision to make at the toss because you know both captains would have wanted to bat first today. But given the, the the change, you know, the weather conditions, the the storm off the off the Bay of Bengal, and the way that that had changed the conditions during the daytime, he would have had to think um, a little bit about doing the opposite, you know, about giving his bowlers a chance to perhaps do the same to Australia as he did. But in the end, he, he stayed true to to what had been successful for them, the way that he felt that his team was best set up to win. And it just so happened that Australia's new ball bowlers were absolute dynamite in the middle and kind of. Um, you know, ruin ruin the party a bit for him. But as the game played out in the second half, it proved that he was right. Had they made thirty runs more, that would have been, you know, South Africa would be in the final now. You you would imagine. So, real tough decision to make at the toss. I think on balance he got it right. Um, but of course, at four for twenty four, you're you're really battling. And and you know, and Australia know how to get the job done, don't they? I mean, it's kind of it isn't about um, it isn't about having sort of some sort of ideology about the way that you want to play the game. It's okay. These are how many we need to get. Let's go get them. In how you know, take as long as as long as you need to take, soak up the pressure, get the job done. See you in the final. And champion cricketers do it time after yeah. time. And champion cricketers in that shirt do it time after time. It was Hazelwood and it was Stark, vintage up top. It was Cummins and it was Stark to finish it off with the bat. And it was Warner and Head who got them going. And that sixty odd partnership was critical 60 in the context. Six. Yeah, sixty from six. Yeah. yeah, in context of a low scoring game. So look. They've they have hung their one day side and their T Twenty side on their champion cricketers for a long time, and there was a bit of sniffiness around it, especially going into that World Cup, which they won, <laughs> and now they're fifty overs away or hundred overs away from 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 winning two of the two of the three World tournaments that they've featured in the last last two or three years, and they're doing it because in the end. When push comes to shove, it's your champion cricketers that get mm. you through. We, we've talked quite a lot about the India top order complementing each other. And today you sort of saw how Australia's does. It didn't 100% work, but in the way that Head and Warner came out, I thought it was fascinating seeing how different batting looked um, after they lost the first wicket and Smith comes in because it didn't really look like it was moving that much when Smith and Warner were sort of just... Um, you know, going after a boundary every other ball. And then as soon as Smith comes in, life looked really difficult. And then later on, when Australia was still, there no point where Australia not really favourites, but Smith and English sort of um, took the threat out of South Africa where it looked like they could yeah. properly run through them. And then you really saw the value of someone like Smith until he played that shot against Kurtzier. Yeah, I mean, the, the interesting, there's lots of interesting po- points in all of this. Um, you know, I was listening to, obviously you listened at, at half time at sort of South Africa's top order batters and, and was their approach right? Should they have gone at, gone after the ball um, a little bit more when the ball was moving around? 
Uh, and I, I kind of chuckled about that because semi-final, you won the toss and you're batting first. You've made your made made your way to the final by by absorbing a little bit in the opening period when when things are a little bit more dangerous against the new ball and then expanding after that. Um, and to say to them in the in the in, in in the light of the way that the ball moved around so much at the beginning that they probably should have been more assertive, I think is 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 nonsense really they kind of you know what were they going to be more assertive at and and batting first it's much much different from okay you've got 213 on the board head and warner are going to go out there and try to break the back of the run chase in, in the power play and if they get out doing so then so be it you've got plenty of batting and time to come to kind of make up for it but the, the circumstances batting second chasing a low total as opposed to batting first when it's zipping around all over the place are completely different mm. Um, that you mentioned the period in the middle there when when English and, and Smith were together. I think that was the, the Timber Bavoom had a good game as captain, but I think there was a one area, and I sat here watching it throughout the whole thing. Going, the, the ball is when the two spinners were on Shamsi and Maharaj. Those were the guys who were going to win you the game. I.e., take the wickets of the middle order in order to to set the game up for you, leaving the tail with too much to do. But but what South Africa did um, during that period of time for me was kind of where the game was lost, which was. You know, kept a slip in. I, I didn't see the point because the ball, you could tell how softly the ball was hitting the bat. Australian batters were looking to try and get on the, hit anything off the back foot that was a tiny bit short and that was how they'd make their singles. So for me, the field needed to, needed to come in, particularly on the offside. You lose the slip, ring it up on the offside, try and force them to hit shots off the front foot, which was nigh on impossible and maybe aerial in order to score your runs. But as it was, that partnership between Smith and English was based around just basically waiting for it to be a fraction short, get on the back foot, knock it for one, and 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 kind of, you know, the, the fire was put out there at the moment. Mm. And and so I, I reckon it's probably about eight overs of, of Maharaj and Shamsi in the middle there were kind of un, were unthreatening because the field allowed Australia just to collect whatever singles they, they needed to with no risk whatsoever, which is a, a harsh... Um, no, it's, it's not. A, it's a, it, it's well, fair. I mean, we watched it in real time and I said <laughs> it at the time yeah. I was watching going, you're going to have to bring them up, have to bring them up, try to make them score off the front foot. The ball was coming off the, the deck so, so slowly. It was never going to get to slip. And the only way that they could actually score was by, by waiting for it to be a fraction short, hitting it off the back foot with a straight bat and, and peppering the big gaps on that offside. And that's basically what they did for mm. 30, 40 runs. And you, that I think was the period of time where if they were, if South Africa were going to win it, and and those two bowlers were on, they couldn't afford to just be going at, at two runs and over and not taking wickets. Mm. They were, they had to take a punt there, um, maybe not one or two of those over, get the tail in when that when there was still seventy odd needed, and then you're in business with um, you know curtsy uh, and etc. And you know he was lion hearted. It was fabulous that he kept them in the game um, with those wickets. But by that time, the two spinners were both out. They both done. I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, Keshav Maharaj, his, he took a wicket with his first ball, but from there, on... 14th over? Yeah, well, 15th yeah, over. So, and he, he finishes with one, one for 24. Exactly. Right? That, that, if that had been three for 36 or three for 40, then, you know, the, the, then they've won the game. And so that, from, that's, my, that's my criticism. And from the moment he took the wicket of head, if you offered Australia, Maharaj is going to finish one for 24. They absolutely totally. take it. Um, I think you're right to pick out English because... Um, I, I wonder if Shamsi was went all in on the the uh, sorry Bavuma went all in on the Shamsi Maharaj plan because of how threatening Shamsi and Maharaj looked, and English just played them both more more well, confident I mean, than that's, even Lavish. But that's that's exactly my point is that they they were very very threatening, but only if the batters were being mm. forced to to kind of push a little bit. But they didn't have to. So like I said, I reckon eight overs from you know from both it from either end, so four overs each end. 
Australia were quite happy to see them whittle away their rovers and, and, and just remove that threat. And they were never, ever um, asked to take any sort of risk against those two guys. Those two guys needed to take five wickets between them. And in the end, they took what three for mm. three for 66. But they mm. needed to take six for six for 90 and they probably would have won the game. Yeah. You see what I mean? The, the, the miscalculation was that Temba seemed to be playing with the overs in his head. The overs were never going to be relevant in, in that chase. If you're chasing 250, 260 on a, on a, on a ragger like that pitch, then sure, you do maybe slightly in and out fields and so on. And you, you have half an eye on that. You don't want the, you don't want the run rate to get away from you. The run rate was irrelevant in this cricket match. The only way they were going to win it is if they bowled them out. And the only way they were going to do that is if they created more chances and you do that via pressure. And you do that via having men around the bat. For the first three or four overs from each spinner, he didn't really have anyone around the bat. And I think it was even de Kock who looked more animated in this cricket match. Ironically, it being his last for South Africa in 50 overs at least. Uh, it looked like he was the one who was, who was telling Temba, we've got we to squeeze this. We, we have to get under their nose, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, even even that, you don't have to, you didn't have to have men in front of the bat. You just needed to have a ring. You yeah. needed to make it so they couldn't knock one. And so long off, long off, long off, long off up. Long off. The man on the sweep up, lose the slip, and put an ex, you know, have a a ring of, of of green shirts in the in the offside field, and say to them, listen, the ball is coming off real slow. If you want to get on the front foot and, and try to pierce that field by hitting the ball, it's going to go aerial or you're going to have to try and take us on downtown. And mm. they, were, they were never asked to do that at any point. And, you know, and by the time we got down to the, to the last few overs, there just weren't enough runs to play mm. with um, to, to, uh, to, to make a difference. Just on the conditions, every spinner other than Zampa, ironically, um, was really, really hard to get away. And you mm. were talking about that throughout the um, Australia run chase. What, what was it about the con- conditions that made batting against spin and, and run scoring against spin so Well, difficult? I mean, it, it was just, it was slow turn. It wasn't, there was, there were quite a lot of turn, but it was very, very slow. And the, the difficulty was that even when they were, even when they were a little bit overpitched, almost half volleys were still quite difficult to hit. You know, it took, it seemed to take an age between the ball bouncing and it hitting the, hitting the bat. Um, and therefore, you know, you, you had to try and force batters to, to score off the front foot. So, Get it fuller and get the get the ring filled in and try to make them hit it off the front. All the while they were able to sit back, wait for it to turn and hit it gently, you know, through that huge gap between extra cover and backward point. You know, the ball you didn't see sort of anybody trying to find sweeps and reverse sweeps. There simply wasn't the pace to do it. The ball had to go in front of the bat, and therefore the fielders needed to be in front of the bat and they needed to be saving one, tight mm. and saving one. Mm. Um on the point that a few pundits made that um Safka arguably could have gone harder early on. I always think that, that point sometimes does a disservice to the bowling. Hazelwood in particular looked unhittable early on. And in those conditions, there are very, very few, uh, maybe maybe only Boomer actually, who you'd rather have in those conditions. Australia were absolutely brilliant, not just with the ball, but in the field as well early on. And and they were like 100% on it from, from ball one. And that at the end is, is a massive reason why they're in a World Cup final. Yeah, exactly that. Just as you saw... The, the old anxieties creep into New Zealand's game yesterday when they weren't really, didn't, certainly didn't bring their, their best form to the, in the field or with the ball. So you can absolutely bet your bottom dollar that Australia are going to chase everything down. Labashain's going to have a screamer in the covers. Warner's going to take the catches. Cummins is always going to be under that high ball against De Kock and you know full well he's going to catch it because going back to what I was saying earlier, you know, the, the great cricketers, they, they get bigger on the bigger stages. Mm. Uh, Hazelwood is often 
overlooked for some reason in the conversation about great white ball bowlers of the 21st century. Well, he's absolutely in there. His IPL record is outstanding. His his record for Australia ac- across the board, really, in white ball cricket is is excellent. And he was untouchable today. Mm. Like, I'm with I'm with Mark. The, the notion, well, it's all about intent. You just got to got to go out there and play your shots. Well, you can't when it's mm. when it's going all when you got banana balls all over the place. There was one in particular to. To Rassi, I think it was, that started way outside his eye line and then just arced wildly over a leg stump. There was another to De Kock, who's trying to play it through mid-wicket and it ends up hitting the gloves in front of his face, in front of first slip. Uh, the ball was going going around corners, right, for at least an hour. And so the only way that you can approach that is to try and dig in. It was South Africa's misfortune, really, that Temba nicks one rather than plays and misses. He didn't do anything wrong and that, Rassi was sort of shotless, but not through lack of intent, just because sometimes bowlers are too good. But, but, but this is it, right? And you so have to respect that. So, sometimes the conditions can be more helpful than others, but the ball was swinging quite a lot for South Africa early on, but the control wasn't there. Janssen bowled quite a few balls that were down the leg side, whereas Hazelwood and Stark basically gave nothing. If you didn't watch the game and you're looking at the score, score um, card now, Rassi van der Dusen, 6 off 31, Conditions were so, so difficult in those first 10, 15 overs until the rain came down. I mean, when van der Zusen gets out, it's 24 for four uh, after 11.5 overs. At one point, it was uh, eight for two after six, I think 10 for two after eight overs. Yeah. Um, sc- scoring was so, so difficult. And, you know, we'll get onto the final in part two. But, you you know, if conditions are like that in the final, you know that Australia have got bowlers good enough to to exploit those conditions. Yeah, as do as do India. You know, you, you'll be that is true you know, <laughs> both ways round. If either either team gets the chance to exploit some conditions like that, then the, the batting is going to be is going to be extremely hard work. Mm. Just on South Africa's innings, though, uh, Heinrich Klaassen played really well, right, for a run of ball forty-seven or eight, and Travis Head came on mid-innings. And if you consider what we now know of the pitch to be what hundred and let me look it up. Hundred nineteen for four in the for four in the thirtieth or thirty-first over. Knowing what we know now and how much turn there was available, that, that's not a bad position to be in. It's not great with a longish tail with Jansen at seven, but it's not a bad position anyway. Head comes on, he drags two down, gets clobbered over mid wicket twice by a player, Clarson, who is whose numbers are freakish against finger spin, off the charts. Travis Head is he's better than a rank part-timer, but he is still an occasional bowler who gets gets through a few. And he just inexplicably misses a straight one. Just gets a bit tangled, back in the pad, mm. misses a straight one. Knocks middle stump out the ground, Travis Head, against one of the players of the tournament in the form of his life, with a mad record. That That was your moment. That was your moment because Miller is at the other end. He makes a brilliant hundred in vain. And again... Takes down Zampa. Who's, takes who's down been, Zampa, who's makes been half fabulous, their runs yeah. in a semi-final. A great hundred. When you consider how tricky that pitch was to score runs on against a great attack, you come in four down for 20. Gets a hundred in vain. But that was the moment because mm. we were saying uh, all through at halftime and all through Australia's innings, apart from in fairness, the first six or seven overs, we just they were going to walk it. We just felt they're just 30, 32 shy, 25, 32 shy. If they'd had another 30 runs on that on, on that score, they'd have won the game. Mm. And that it was that moment, really. Also, the last three or four overs as well, when Miller is going well, then gets caught on the boundary with sort of 20 balls left of the innings. Yeah. It's those little little details in a low score that are crucial. Mm. I mean, And Head took another one on the same over. Went yeah, bang, two, bang, two, and two. Um, two and two. And in the end, Safka did 
pretty well to get to 212. Um, but it's just on Miller. I feel like he's one of the players for me that I think I've got a bit of a blind spot for. I know how good he is. I know how good the numbers say he is. But I don't know, maybe because I, I didn't really take take notice of what he did in the IPL, in, in his early IPL days. That was a great 100 for, for many reasons. Obviously, World Cup semi-final and all that. But as you said, specifically with how he took down Zambert, we know how much it turned. We know, you just explained how hard it was to score spinners. Sampa, seven overs, none for 55. Went for six sixes. Some of them were off class, and I know. But Miller was absolutely mm. brilliant. Yeah, I mean, he's brutal. I, I, I go back to, I remember what year it was. Um, what IPL year? It might have been 2014 when him and, and Glenn Maxwell were batting in the in the sort of the middle order for Kings eleven. got them to the, got them to the final. Um, and, and both of them were just unbelievable, you know, strike rates of 140, 150. I mean, we're talking almost 10 years mm. ago now. Um, but, and Miller has been, has, has been one of these guys. And, and that's why I sort of mentioned the last three years in particular, who you kind of, you know, he would play brilliant innings every once in a while. And then, you know, you slog it up in the air and not, not be particularly reliable in that really difficult place to bat in 50 over cricket, five and six. But he's just become, he's become a real master at it. Um, mm. in, in the latter part of his career as you know people get better as they get more experienced and he has you know he has the he has the power the modern day power he's got it to burn but also he's able to sort of manage manage an innings from a from a desperate situation at 24 for four he's a, he's a very very fine player uh, I saw a good tweet apologies to the person who sent it because I can't remember their name um, but they said it's, it feels like an injustice that David Miller doesn't have a small test career Two, 10 tests, 100 against Sri Lanka at home, averages 28. Like a sort of an Owen Morgan test career sort of yes. thing, you know. Um, you, you gave it a go. Yeah, yeah, perhaps reluctantly, yeah. but he played a few <laughs> at some point at home. And, and I, I guess only you were, would bring up test cricket in this Sorry, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, there is something, something at play there because his technique is, is pretty sound. You know, he obviously hits it very cleanly, but, yeah. but he's always been that white ball specialist thing. And so perhaps... I'm just trying to explain why you disregard him. Yeah, that, that, be, that, that will be it. it, it that will be it. He's a little bit out of sight, out of mind when it comes mm. to you know. I, I suppose the, the, the big questions of who 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 are the really important players. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's quite interesting. So he's on the losing side in two World Cup semi-finals. In, in one of them, he scored a hundred uh, from twenty-four for four. In the other, he hit forty-nine off eighteen against New Zealand in the twenty-fifteen final. So to find himself on the losing side on on both occasions is quite something. Um, Phil, just just finally, uh, in, in part one, how do you think South Africa will look back at this tournament? Because on the one hand, uh, they did so well, expectations were quite low at the start. You've got a few young players uh, who did really well, but equally, that middle order that we love so much, they're in their mid-30s. Quinton de Kock, we think this is his last ever ODI game. It sort of feels like a missed opportunity as well. Yeah, very bittersweet, quite poignant in a way. Uh, but when the dust settles on it, they should be chipper because there are elements of a new generation coming through in Kurt Seer, who's what, 22? Wheels. <laughs> and big match temperament as well. He was brilliant in the last hour of that game. Aidan Markram's emerged now as a, as a proper cricketer rather than this weird enigma who always looked good, never got any runs. They can hang a middle order around him in test cricket as well as all the rest of it. They've got two young kids who haven't made the cut here um, in Stubbs and Brevis, but they'll both come in in due course. Uh, it's reminded us that a unified South African cricket team is still a very powerful and charismatic thing and has a real 
presence on the world game. Um, they have obviously gone through all kinds of tough times and grief on and off the pitch in the last two or three years. And there remains that sort of flakiness to it, a fragility to it, because you're never quite sure who's going to be involved from one month to the next. But what you saw here is, is, a, is a model of how they can move forward, I think. And when the dust settles, they should be pretty pleased, very pleased with the way mm. that they've gone. No doubt, though, tinged with what might have been, as ever. Mm. Eternally tinged with what might have been. <laughs> because, you know, they could have won that game today. Little bit here and there. That was It was a fine margins cricket match. They could have mm. won that game. And obviously, India are the team of the tournament so far, but in many ways, South Africa are the most entertaining side with the way they batted. Mm. Um, They're absolutely brilliant to watch on, on, on so many levels. So to, to, to finish so close. And also, I felt really grateful today that we had an epic semi-final. You know, yeah. the, you know a, the, a major flaw in this competition's format is that even really good games in the first half of the, well, not first half, the first 95% of the tournament, um, there's not enough jeopardy on it epic finish but it doesn't really mean anything yeah. whereas today you only get three chances for a brilliant game and i'm really glad that we got one yeah yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't disagree with that i guess the, i guess from my point of view thinking about sunday which i'm sure we'll get to um that i felt that it, there's only there was only one team capable potentially capable of beating india in a final given a, a fair wind um and i didn't mean anything by the word fair by the way just in case <laughs> um is, is, and that's Australia. So yeah. on the, you know, heartbreak for South Africa, I think they can be unbelievably proud of themselves in the tournament. You know, they were sort of outside qualifying for, for a long period of time. But I think if we're going to get a final that that um, that is going to entertain neutrals and and, uh, and fans of the two teams alike, then it had to be Australia and India. Mm. Well, that's it for part one. In part two, we'll preview Sunday's final. Um, Phil, the Indian press are, are drip-feeding info about who will be in attendance on Sunday. Modi will be there at the Modi Stadium. Dhoni's obviously going to be there. I think Dua is going to be there as well. Bex? Um, pardon? Bex? I, I, I doubt Bex is going to do both. Gary Neville? Um, Michael Jordan? Gary Neville got a shout-out the other day. Um, <laughs> he did, yeah. He did. <laughs> yeah, he did. What, from Bex? From Bex. Bex yeah. said that he was basically asked about cricket and then... Um, obviously he didn't have much to say uh, and said he used to room with Neville and Neville used to watch cricket all the time. Mm. So he sort of was aware that cricket was a thing, although he didn't um, actively engage with it himself. Well, he's aware now. He's aware it. now. <laughs> Can't yeah. get enough of it. <laughs> um, but it feels like this whole I'd be surprised if Modi doesn't go to his own yeah. stadium. <laughs> that, that would be quite something. But the whole... 130,000 acolytes hanging not not just the six presence. Not just the six weeks, but the whole build-up to the tournament, it being at the Modi stadium... Um, it feels like this is this has been moving towards the crowning moment, not for just this Indian team, but this generation of Indian cricket that has so much power on the field as well as, as well as off it. Um, how much of a chance are you giving Australia to to disrupt that um, coronation in waiting? I have all I want to see is a great game of cricket. Genuinely, right? I don't care if South Africa were in it. There's an underdog spirit to them that I would have got in behind them. But it's an overdog versus overdog game, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have a sneaky feeling, though, that Australia used up a bit of luck today. Uh, and coming up against this juggernaut in front of that crowd. Uh, I, I've been trying to concoct narratives in my head for the last few days around how India balls up on the biggest stage. And the schadenfreude that will sort of 
sprinkled across it. I just can't rationalise it, though. I can't complete that thought. Uh, everything points towards it being their most uh, complete glottal stop on the on their era, on on this era, right? And and they have threatened to do it now for what over a decade. Um, dominated the stories around every world tournament and not actually taken the gong at the end. For them to have a reversal in this one, in that stadium, <laughs> in front of their emperor, in effect, with that top four, the greatest top four that One Day Cricket's probably ever compiled, certainly that I can recall, with an all-time great fast bowler, not just a great fast bowler of the era. Bumrah is he's a species of one, as someone wrote, I think, on Crick Info the other day. Uh, with mesmerising spinners, pretty, pretty damn hot, shammy, you know, as well. You just throw it all together. It's, it's, a, it's like a cheat code cricket team. It's like a computer cricket team. And as Bush said yesterday, wherever this World Cup was played, they'd be yeah. overwhelming favourites. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How can I put this? I've had a feeling in recent days, right, listening to it, reading stuff, that especially sort of English observers, there's always a sort of India a great but, right, because they're so powerful. But sometimes we just got to get rid of that but, I think, and just acknowledge 11 cricketers or 11 and a half cricketers. They basically now, you know what team they're going to pick. Uh, playing a form of the game which has barely been touched before and it's so mesmerizingly watchable as well uh and if they do win it then i don't want there to be any caveats around it right you know because it will be it will complete one of the great sustained two month long performances very very few teams go like go like this a few one or two in in history but very few it's basically only to not have australia a, to not have one off day to basically yeah. have one bad hour against australia two <laughs> months ago and that be it mm. and then to go and win it that would be an extraordinary performance, really. And also, th there's nothing cynical about how they play their cricket on the pitch. How they play their cricket on the pitch is watchable, thrilling, joyous, and optimistic. And it flows so much from my favourite cricketer of the of, of the era in the, in the skipper, as you know. So, if they do win it, there should be a song in the hearts of all cricket fans. And forget the kind of the inevitable cynicism that mm. attaches itself to it because they do generate 75% of the game's wealth and they have Modi as their sort of well, figurehead, you, you know. See, I'm glad it's you, easy to be I'm, sniffy. I'm but. glad you said that because because I thought I made the point pretty pretty clearly yesterday that I that I backed that 100%, um, but but still some managed to misinterpret. Well, um, I, I, haven't, I haven't heard it, Mark. <laughs> so still some managed to, to, to misinterpret as me having a go. I, I think they're, they're a fabulous, fabulous cricket team. Mm. And... And, um, you know, anything that takes the gloss away from the brilliance of the 11, 12, 13 players that they've used in the, in the tournament is, is, is a terrible thing because they deserve to be heralded for the, you know, they're, they're a, a team that would have stood up, stood up to sort of the, the Ponting era um, for Australia, that would have stood up to the Lloyd era of West Indies. You put any of those, those two teams together, they're in the same class. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, they are a fabulous, fabulous cricket team. Mm. Um, I told Phil this earlier, but my feeling towards the final is uh, I, I, had a, I had a friend at school who was, who was a Chelsea fan and not just a casual Chelsea fan, like a proper, proper Chelsea fan. And he went to see Chelsea against Barcelona in the 2012 Champions League. Um, and he left 
Uh, I think Chelsea win the first leg or do they draw the first leg? I can't remember. And he left to be like, that's an injustice. I'm no longer a Chelsea fan. I'm a Messi fan. Um, and I sort of feel like that <laughs> towards this tournament is like India have been so good mm. and so complete. It would just be an injustice if they don't win it. Uh, that said, Mark, how, how do they not win it? What, what's the route to victory for well, Australia? I mean, look, there, there, are, there have been there have been periods of jeopardy for 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 teams in this World Cup. Um, you know, the, the the often highlighted sort of beginning of the second innings in, in a run chase where the, where the ball has done a lot more than it does at the beginning of the day in, in, in daylight. So, you know, any team, any team chasing runs, any team chasing a, you know, a, a chunky total, and let's say a chunky total in this World Cup, given the quality of the two bowling sides is somewhere around 290, 280, 290. It's not, not a runner ball, right? Any team can, can fall over in, in, that, in that situation. Um, you know, India's batting depth is not the same as Australia's, perhaps. So if you, if you, much in the same way as South Africa, if you chip away at their at their top four um, early before the, before you get into the game, then you've got a real chance of of knocking them over. So there, there's a there's a period of jeopardy there, and Australia have got the bowlers and the players to exploit that. Um, in the you know, if if India end up batting batting first. Then of course you know you've got the same you've got the same issue, albeit it's not quite as it's not quite as dangerous given the you know the, the weather being um, less moody than it was today at Kolkata. Um, you still have the the, the spectre of um, Stark, Hazelwood, Cummins being able to do something to to a top order and expose a middle order that hasn't really had to do anything. Surya Kumar Yadav has has barely had to strap his pads on in the competition, um, and there isn't a massive amount to come after that. So that that though that's the area. Mm. But if if India put runs on the board, then then Australia, I think, are toast. If, mm. if Australia bat, if India bat first and, and make three hundred plus against India's bowlers with that crowd, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, I don't see how you're doing it. I really mm. don't. Yeah. I, I, I mean, get the, the again. There is one thing, and there's a human side to all of this. And one of the one of the incredible things about India's performance throughout the tournament has been, you know, and I think I mentioned it again yesterday, was that the the weight of expectation on their cricketers and on their teams is unlike any, you know. Any that I can think of, maybe Brazil in a World Cup or something like that. It's kind of a, a similar sort of fervor and, and um, all-encompassing pressure. Um, and of course, if if they get on the back foot a little bit, there were periods in the game yesterday where they were, you know, when New Zealand were threading that partnership together, the crowd goes silent. You know, the pressure can become, can can go up, and the fielding suddenly looks a little bit ragged unless Jadeja's under it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So there there are areas there that that Australia can look to exploit. However, if India have a good day, India are winning it. Simple mm. as that. Yeah, I, 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 I totally agree, and I'd even go a bit further. I think the first, if India win the toss and bat, which is not necessarily guaranteed, I suppose, because tosses are fifty-fifty. <laughs> what I mean, very nice. What I mean, if you take say the first game, day one, you know, New Zealand strolled to a to a win at the same ground under lights. So we don't entirely know what, but you assume that they would probably want to bat first. Um, if they if they have a decent first 15 overs, if they're what, 90 for one, 100 for one, then I, I, I'm with you. Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm with you. I struggle to see mm. how, how they can withstand that bowling attack yeah. under lights with all the pressure and all the rest of it. it for Australia to win it, they're... Their, their seamers have got to bowl really well and somebody, perhaps two, have got to play as well as they've ever played before. Travis Head's got to get a 70-ball 100. It's, it's going to have to be something like that when somebody just has 
wakes up tomorrow on Sunday Sunday morning and just has the best day of their lives. Mm. That's the way that they win it because as we saw again with this game, this South Africa game, there are little chinks in the armour if you run through Australia's side, you know. Um, there are one or two players that are sort of daisy players. Some days they do, some days they don't, whereas there's a relentlessness to this India side. Mm. Um, but sure, I mean... You know, you put the, you put a new, new ball in Stark's hands, and he, and he might just swing one right into I, right, right it, these, and, these things can happen. And they could be ten for two the, the, the because the bowls too unplayable. Interesting thing for me will be if Australia do a similar a similar thing today, in, in that in that they picked they they picked Labuschagne again when they could have gone for Stoinis, perhaps you know looking at conditions and thinking it might be a, a low scoring game, etc. But you just wonder whether or not that against India they might need to be a bit bolder than that. And, and not have Smith and Labuschagne mm. in, in that middle order and kind of take a bit of a punt that they're going to need to do something a bit more special than, than nudge it around at less than a run of ball. So mm. that, that'd, be, that'd be an interesting thing. And, and it would be quite a, you know, quite a, a statement of intent if, if that was the, the change that they decided mm. to make. I guess. You understand why they played in today, Labuschagne. Yeah, he didn't, yeah, he didn't convince. He didn't convince. No, by no, way, so he didn't un- even he didn't do the job that he was picked to, to no. do, which was basically to get them into a no. position where mm-hmm. they they got off to a flyer and then you nudge it around and win. He he, he wasn't able to do that. If, if it's so, a flat so one, Stoinis comes into play. Yeah, and and and, mm. and there's every chance that it will be. Mm. Mm. I mean, given given the way Labuschagne played today uh, against Shamsi, you'd think if, if he bats on Sunday, they'd toss the ball to call deep straight away. Um, I guess, I guess with India, we talked about it yesterday the way they bat is in against the new ball is high risk and all it needs is one ball that just evaded mid on yesterday falls into mid on's hand and that's very different you get Kohli in against the new ball and Ayer he's had a brilliant last few games but the question marks against him against real pace high quality short pitch bowling which Australia obviously have in abundance he still hasn't properly answered that. And then Sky at six. Sky at six hasn't been needed <laughs> this tournament. And he's played a fair bit of ODI cricket and is yet to really convince. And then you've got the four pretty much number 11s to come. So I think there is a way in which not only does that potentially happen, but that scenario enters the mind of the Indian top three or four more. So mm. they just are a little bit more reserved yeah. than they were against New Zealand. And I guess against New Zealand, they started so well and it felt like the game was done so early on. I don't think ordinary semi-final pressure was on the rest of them. And I wonder if they don't start as well as Rohit in particular started mm. uh, yesterday, if the pressure that hasn't yet really existed on them because they qualified for the knockout so early on does play a part. I mean, you go back to the first India-Australia game in the tournament, you know, the shot Ayer plays at, what, two for two or whatever, mm. was a shocker, you know? And, and that's that's the point I'm making about Australia's, where Australia's windows for opportunity are, that, you know, Australia's bowling attack is world class. Mm. It's you know the, the seamers are as as good as as good as India's, and any batting lineup is is susceptible to that. Um, and if they are as on it um, in terms of line and length um, as they were today, then absolutely you've got the chance of getting them getting three down early, get Kohli in before the before the tenth over, etc. Of course, all of those things are possible. Um, which is why which is why I'm pleased that they're in the final because mm. because they're the only team I can see. Who have the who have the tools to be able to to, to beat India, mm. and you know India start as favourites. They are favourites. They've been absolutely brilliant, but winning eleven games on the trot in the World Cup is not a straightforward thing to do. And Australia will be telling themselves that. Mm. Yeah, the, the, the narrative, whichever way this one goes, the narrative is great because if if India win it, as we've said, then it, it's the completion of the the whole story, really. Um, uh, and for Kohli in particular as well, who who you know we said two months ago this this could be his 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 
greatest moment, his defining moment. Uh, the sense of timing that all the greats always have was so perfect this week with the 50th and all the rest of it. So the, the narrative there speaks for itself. But the narrative of Australia winning it as well would also be absolutely mad. You know, they, they, they took the World Test Championship here off India. They kept England at bay across the summer. They won the T20 thing the other year. Um, Cummins takes them everywhere around the world. They constantly seem like they're kind of facing a barrage. and They always find a way. They lost their first two. They were knocked out for 200 by India. Then they lost their second game, thrashed. If they go and win it, it'd be an outstanding, ridiculous story. And it would, of course, be their sixth. So, you know, so it really is these two sort of monsters, behemoths going up, up against one another. And in this World Cup of sort of out, outsized hubristic hype, right? It, and mania. There's a sort of sense of mania that follows it around all the time. It's perfect and apt that it's these two going up against each other. Yeah, and, and, other. and cards on the table, w w the, the reason why I don't mind India winning it is, bloody hell, I don't want Australia to win it, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> but, you but know, now we're getting down to the brass tech. Yeah, but, but, it, but I, I guess that we're, we're all torn on, on that score and that, you know, who who would you rather out of the two, the team that should win it or the, or the team that you don't want to win it? I mean, so, uh, all in all, I think it, it's going to be must-watch TV, isn't it? I mean, imagine Finally. If, if, if England's greatest white ball era is surrounded by an Australia side that wins two fifty over World Cups <laughs> yeah. in a T Twenty World Cup, basically with their Test team. Ooh, you yeah. know, um, yeah, yeah. Um, well, we've got one hell of a game to look forward to <laughs> on Sunday. Uh, one daily podcast to go. Cheers, Butch. Cheers, Phil. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wisdom Cricket World Cup Daily Podcast, powered by Scene. Once again, Scene are our video partners on Wisdom.com, helping us to deliver a more engaging and immersive viewing experience across mobile, tablet, and desktop. Head to the link in the description to find out more. Sports Social Podcast Network.